Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. We're going to get into this thing, and I want to start off by, I came across a quote from Muhammad Ali. Now, if you know, everybody in this room probably knows who Muhammad Ali was as a boxer, very uh, well-known boxer. Uh, he's also known for um, his very big personality. Um, he's a trash talker. He's very witty. And so he has a lot of one-liners. And so we've probably heard a lot of those. But I came across an interview in 2001. Uh, and as he sat down with the Reader's Digest uh, for an interview, and the person who was interviewing him asked Ali, said, how do you feel about different religions? And this is how he responded. He said, rivers and ponds, lakes and streams, they all have different names, but they all contain water. Just as religions do, they all have different names, but they all contain truths. Well, then the, the person who was interviewing him asked, well, what does religion mean to you? And he responded, One day we are all going to die, and God is going to judge us for our good deeds, our bad deeds. And if the bad outweighs the good, you go to hell. And if the good outweighs the bad, you go to heaven. Now, if you think about this, that's a pretty accurate statement when you're thinking of of religion in our world. That's what most people do. Religion is all about, man, I'm going to do my best to earn my place, and hopefully one day I spend eternity with heaven. But the truth is, is as Christians, that's not it at all. We're called to something so much more. It's not about us at all. It's actually about the work of Jesus Christ. And so today, we get to celebrate this thing called grace. And why do I know it's a good day is because God's grace is still sufficient for me. Amen? It's sufficient for you. And so, man, there's days that I just wake up and I just can't stop smiling. And those are the days that I really remember who I am. That we are sons and daughters. That, man, it's not just a song that we sing, but, man, it's the anthem of our life. And I just love that. And so today as we dig in, we're going to get into it. And here's the problem with the statement that, that Ali makes is if that's the case, if the good deeds is what we're going for and we're hoping the good outweighs the bad, the problem is, is every day is a fight and that fight is an endless battle that we're probably not going to win because we fall short. We have selfishness and this, this flesh is constantly vying for, for, for it to be fed. And so it leaves us short. And the best part is, is God said, well, there's, there's more to it. Amen? It's always a, uh, just a privilege to bring the word, and I, I really mean that. I never, uh, I, I never want to lose sight of God the honor of, of sharing the gospel and, and, and sharing truth with you guys. And so I just want to start off this morning. We're going to jump into Galatians chapter 3. If you guys are with us, we've been in this book, uh, uh, Galatians, and it's just been really awesome. But um, before we do so today, can we just pray? Let's just, God, I'm, I'm, thank you for the opportunity. God, I want to be a vessel of your truth, nothing more. God, I'm praying that my voice just fades away, that God, you would open hearts, you would open ears tonight to receive your truth. And Father, we pray for radical transformation in this place. God, we thank you that your word reigns supreme, that it is truth, and that you're faithful to your promise. Everyone said amen. Man, I hope ears are open today. I hope our hearts are ready to receive because, man, I love getting to preach because when I do, so many times, all the time, God's truth is for me. 
Amen? And so this is just a great word for myself this morning. And so we're going to open up in Galatians chapter 3. And as Aaron and I were talking about this, we talked about focusing on the last part of Galatians 3, as it's really good. But as, as I started to read, I'm going, man, it's hard to skip all this other stuff because it's so good. And so I want to set up where we're going to be today. In, in Galatians 3, uh, verse 2, it says this. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You receive the Spirit because you believe the message you heard about Christ. By the time Paul is writing this letter to, to the church of Galatia, the, the gospel's been spreading throughout re- regions, throughout all over the areas, and the gospel's being advanced, and it's not just the gospel for the Jews, it's, it's also by this time getting heard to the Gentiles, the ones who, who aren't the religious leaders and these kind of people, the Gentiles were the, the unclean and these kind of things, and so what happens is we begin to see how law starts coming into the truth of Jesus right here, and what, what's happening is... Judaizers, these religious leaders in the Jewish custom, goes, yeah, Jesus is a good guy and stuff, but you guys still have to uphold the law. And he starts to, they start to preach to these Gentiles who've heard the gospel, going, well, you need to be circumcised, and you need to live by the law, and you need to eat a certain way, and you need to do this, and you need to do this, and you need to do this. And the law is beginning to creep up into the gospel. And so verses 3 and 4, we see Paul start to get a little firm, and he says this, How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I think most of us in this room would acknowledge that we have grace and we have love in Jesus Christ. Amen? I don't know about you, but that's why I'm here. I've been, man, I've I've experienced that. But I think the hard thing for us to to wrap our mind around, do we understand the power of grace? Do we understand the power of love? And I don't mean just like a, yeah, that's a good word. I don't mean just sing about it, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. You saved a wretch like me, once was lost, now I'm found. Right, We, we sing about it, but do we really get the power of this grace? And we see Paul's frustration to these Gentiles of going, you don't need any of that garbage because you have Jesus. It's keeping you from the fullness of who I'm I'm trying to tell you about, but the best thing, you know him. You have the opportunity to have a relationship with him. And so the rest of today we're going to spend in Galatians chapter 3, 23 through 28. As we get going, I'm just going to ask him, yeah, just to receive this morning. In your own words, ask God to say, God, what are you speaking in my heart tonight? What are you revealing to me? So Galatians 3, 23 through 28 says this, Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on a new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, free, male or female, 
For you are all one in Christ. And now that you belong to Christ, you are true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God promises to Abraham, God's promises to Abraham belong to you. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Now let me ask you a question really quick. How many of you were here for 4th of July? In Wichita, 4th of July. Um, sorry, I forgot Matt brought it up here. Thanks, Matty. Um, we're here, raise your hands. Can I ask, did anybody get a ticket for illegal fireworks? Man, I was really hoping somebody did. Like, that sounds horrible, but it would have really worked with my sermon. Um, but here's, love you all. I'm glad you didn't get a, a ticket. But here's, here's this thing. I don't know if you saw the news a couple weeks before the 4th of July, but they were trying to put the fear of God in the city of Wichita. Did you notice that? They're going, hey, we're changing everything. I know we were supposed to loosen the laws, but we're tightening them down. We're, getting, we're partnering up the, the law enforcement with the fire department, and they're writing tickets. No longer are they $2,500 or $250, but we're going to give these things out like, you know, Girl Scout cookies. And I'm just like, well, give me just a second. Here's the problem is what I heard was they held a town, town hall meeting, and the only ones that showed up were the ones who complained. And so they passed these tighter laws, and nobody really wanted to enforce those laws. But I just thought it was kind of funny. But then I was telling my brother about it because he loves Fourth of July in Wichita. Because we grew up in Colorado, and Fourth of July there is super lame. And it might be because there are lots of trees, okay? And so um, he said, oh, dude, don't stop your complaining. This year they made sparklers illegal. I'm just like, what? And he's like, yeah, we can't even shoot fountains. He's like, literally, dude, there's, there's nothing I'm like, so what are you guys going to do? He's like, I haven't found out yet. Well, come to find out, California and Colorado got rid of all fireworks in those areas. And anything, because of the dry, the drought, they didn't want to start forest fires. And so they did LED light shows with drones, thousands of them. That's insane. And the worst part is I watch a video, and the whole time it's like, like drones are like harmonizing and like... Like, that would have been the most annoying thing ever. Thousands of drones, and you're like, I'm going to die. Someone's going to crash into me. Anyway, so I'm sitting here going like this, and then I, I go to read about it. And this is why California and Colorado did this. This is why city of Wichita wants to do this. And he said, because we want to protect its citizens. We're putting these laws, we're putting these things in place because we ultimately don't want the towns and cities to catch fire. And so for your safety, we're going to do this. And that's a great illustration of the law of God. It was always for our protection. The law came, the law of Moses came through the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, right? And we see the Ten Commandments come forth from God for our benefit. It was for our protection. What I love about this is if you look at the Ten Commandments, we get to see the character of God presented in the manner of a law. For example, he says, do not lie. And we know that God is only truth. Amen? Amen? And he says, do not commit adultery. And it's because our God is faithful to his covenant and his promise. And he cannot waver from that. Don't have other idols above me. Don't use the Lord's name in vain. You want to know why? Because God is jealous for you and he wants a personal relationship with you. We see the heart of the Father through the law. Amen? amen. Come on, Amen. And what I love about this is so many times we, we attack the law, we do these things, we go, man, this is not a good thing. But the law was always for our benefit, for our protection, and we just read that. 
Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God. And so, as we're kind of getting into this, we have to understand that the law was always going to fall short because of our own shortcomings. Amen? And so, today I have a little bit of an illustration that I want to kind of bring to you, and I, I need you to use your imagination, or this isn't going to be very cool. But we have the law on one side. Now, I want you to imagine maybe this pole is like the Grand Canyon, and one side you have law, or maybe it's even bigger than that. And the other side you have love and grace, okay? So you got love and grace on one side. You got the law on the other, and this is the, the old covenant. Covenant. This the whole idea was for the protection of who we are. God wanted to guard us. He wanted to keep us from our own selfish desires and, and falling further away from, from him. From ultimately the fall of Adam and Eve all the way down, our flesh kept creeping up and, and giving more distance. So God gave us the law for our own protection, but it constantly fell short. As Ali said, well, I'm going to keep working for the good. Well, guess what? We are all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And there's only one way, and his name's Jesus. Amen? And so we get this cool, this cool little, uh, hopefully this works and I don't, this don't fall over because that would be embarrassing. And, but so there's really only one, one way to the love and grace of God, and that's through salvation of Jesus Christ who paid the price for us because it says that the, that. He didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. Amen? And so the law had to be fulfilled because there was a price to be paid. Because I am in need of a Savior. Because every effort that I have is always going to fall short. Because the truth is, is my flesh is weak. But God's grace is sufficient. And there's only one way from the law to God's love and grace is Jesus Christ, and that's who we are. And most of us aren't probably going, well, this isn't that great of a revelation. We've been talking about this since kindergarten at VBS, right? And we're going, is it a revelation? Because it should be. Because too many times we're still operating in the law, thinking that it's by our own efforts that we are going to be made right and get closer to God. And God's going, no, I'm asking for you to truly accept my love and grace. See, church, this is the hard part. I've been to Israel. I've been to, uh, I've seen Jewish leaders. I've seen rabbis sitting passionately at a table at the wailing wall, screaming at each other about the law. And they're talking about who's living right, who's more righteous, who's covered well, whose hair is, is more godly than the other person's, who's eating is going to separate them from God, who's praying longer. The wailing wall is one of the most beautiful things, but the most sad things I've ever seen. You have a whole bunch of Jewish people sitting at the, this wailing wall, and they're putting their prayers in the cracks of these walls, and they're rocking back and forth. And I've heard that some of them stay for 72 hours, and they won't get up, and it's the most passionate prayers I've ever seen in my life. They're just going at it. They're screaming at it, doing all this stuff. And I'm going, man, that's amazing. That's awesome. And, and then the revelation came to me. I'm going yet they're so far from me because they, they refuse to receive the free gift of grace. And they're still trying to operate in law, trying to get close to a relationship and experience the love and grace of God. And I'm going, but God, they're so religious. They're, so, they're great prayer 
warriors. Look at these guys. He goes, it's not about what you do. It's about what I did. And then we have the pendulum. So we have these people over here that are, have operated in the law so much that they begin to, to build themselves in self-righteousness and all of these things that judgment is everything they do. We have churches that have tarnished the name of Jesus because they're screaming from the corner that God hates fags. And we're going, wait a second. Well, we'll just let them do their thing over there. Because we've allowed the law to build up self-righteousness and we haven't experienced the loving grace for ourselves. But here's the problem is sometimes we've let it swing so far over into love and grace that we've, we've taken on this hippie mentality of, man, let love, let live, right? Whatever you want to do, let's just wrap it in a pretty bow, call it love, and go on your way. But that's not the case because Jesus Christ on the cross bringing us to love and grace did not abolish the law. It fulfilled the law. The law was always for our protection. And so we can't go along and act like everything is good if we label it in love because the truth is, is we have a generation that is in sexual identity crisis. They're wondering who they are and we're sitting there going, well, whatever makes you happy, honey. But the truth is, is I love my kids enough to tell them that they have some boundaries and some law in their life because I want some protection over them. You see where this is going? The law was always for our protection. Love and grace was always for our protection because God wants and has a relationship for you. He's calling you. He's drawing you in. He's wooing you. But it's by his love and grace. Never once did Jesus see a person in sin, love them, love their sin, and say, hey, just keep doing what you're doing. He loved them, and he freed them from the power of sin in their life. And that's the introduction of Jesus Christ for all of us. going to be a while. Oh, so good. Romans 6, okay, this is one of my favorite chapters. It's just truth spewed out is what Aaron said. It just blah. And sometimes it's so hard to grasp, but listen to this. Romans 6, 1 and 2 says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Verse 5, 6, or 5 through 8 says, Since we have been united with him in death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sin, our sinful selves, were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we now, or we know, we will always live with him. Verse 10 and 11, when he died, he died once to break the power of, uh, of the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Verse 15, 16, well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we should go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become a slave to whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Church, this truth is hard to just, ugh, 
It's hard to say amen to because the truth is, as this scripture says, if we've really died to Christ and we've been crucified with him and we no longer live, we've been put on that cross with Christ, there is no longer a sinful nature over me, but there is a righteous nature over me through the power of Jesus Christ's blood. So this is the thing. This is where we get into it. At the Bold Conference, there was an overlying theme And I was amazed by the power of the simple theme. And the simple theme was yes. Okay? Simple. You ever seen the movie Yes Man? Just say yes, right? What I love about this is it's going, every single one of them is yes, yes, yes. And then one of them said this quote that said this, your strongest no will never be as powerful as your weakest yes. And let me just explain to you what what that means for a minute. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and let the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. When our eyes are fixed on Jesus, we stop worrying about the problems of this earth. When our eyes are fixed on the promise of Jesus and we know that he's faithful in it, we stop worrying about the deception of Satan in our lives because we're giving him strongholds because that scripture we just read told us that all authority that Satan had and his his footholds in our life have been broken, that he's been conquered in the, the, the crucifixion of Christ. And man, our eyes should be set on the realities of heaven. And guess what? Instead of me trying to operate in law and power and my own efforts and going, okay, God, I'm tired of sinning, and so I'm going to stop sinning. I'm going to stop being addicted. I'm going to stop being lazy. I'm going to stop being fill in the blank, whatever it is. I don't know about you. Have you ever done that, right? We, we, it's New Year's resolution. I'm going to, by the power of me, I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to get rid of this in my life. I'm going to say no to this. I'm going to say no to this. I'm going to say no to this. And then all of a sudden, my flesh is weak. And over time, I find myself back in the same routine going, God, why? God, why? And he said, because I never asked for your no. I asked for your yes. I asked for you to come after me. I asked for you to dwell in my presence. I asked for you to come and lay your burdens upon me. I asked for you to receive your, my promise over you. I asked for you to receive the inheritance that you've been given through your yes. And that inheritance is power. That inheritance enables us to live the no. See, church, my, one of my life verses was when I was in third grade, I learned a, a, a verse in church, and it was the, probably the one verse that I really hung tight to, and I don't know why, but it was Titus 2, 11, and 12. If you know me, you've heard me say this a hundred times, but this has been a life verse for me because I started to really get it. This love and grace has more power than, than we could ever fathom. Titus 2, 11, and 12 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all people, It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Listen, it's not saying say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. It's saying God's grace allows us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Do you get that? And what I love is it's for today. It says, and to live upright and godly in today's age. There's no more excuses. Because the truth is, is if your ways line up with the world, then you better check yourself. 
Because we are called to live a righteous life, a life that stands out, an outstanding life. And so church, it's not our no that has power. It's the yes in God. It's the surrender to him. There's a reason why he says your spiritual act of worship is to offer yourself as a holy living sacrifice for me. Because it's not by yourself that you're going to make yourself righteous and get closer to me. It's by surrender to me. And it's about transformation of my truth in your life. And the more you grab hold of it and the more you write it on your mind and the more you write it on your heart, the more you're going to live it out. And those things that you desired once, those fleshly things are going to begin to fade away because my eyes are so fixed on the author and the perfecter of this faith, of this man. We got to stop thinking that we can continue to live our, in our own efforts. We aren't strong enough, but our yes is. Surrender is. Man, I think the most beautiful part of, of being a pastor is getting to see the most stubborn broken. Seeing the most hard-heartened, completely surrendered, and watching God restore them to beauty. And it happens with a yes, it happens with surrender. Friday, I, I don't usually ever, ever do this. I mean this. I, I stay out of social media debate. Um, Paul tells us not to get wrapped up in endless debate, and I don't see many times where us debating somebody has ever changed a faith. <laughs> but uh, this one time, I just couldn't keep quiet. And, and it was, <clears throat> I'm part of a youth pastor group on Facebook, and a youth pastor was legitimately asking a question. He said, one of my students asked, can, can you commit suicide and still go to heaven? I thought, man, that's a deep question. And there was some good conversation, and they asked, please only answer with Scripture. Well, finally, this one youth pastor said, man, I believe no matter what, you should be burdened for this child and ask for God to, to speak into you to, to counsel them, but also pray for that the Holy Spirit just be their comforter, their counselor, and their deliverer. And the response back got me a little angry, and this is what it said. A youth pastor reminds you, responds back, and says, do you really believe that prayer can deliver somebody from clinical depression? He said, you shouldn't be a pastor because that young man or that young woman is going to go home. And they're going to question themselves. They're going to take their life, and that's on you. And again, I can't stay quiet. And I said, do I believe that prayer can deliver a man from clinical depression? So let me answer you with one, one thing. Yes. I believe that God can deliver. I believe that God can heal the sick. I believe that he can make the blind see. I believe that he can make the, the dead hear. I believe that he can raise the dead. Amen. And there's nothing that he can't do because he is faithful to his promise and his promise tells me he can do it. And so I should be burdened and speaking forth that that young man or woman can be delivered from clinical depression. And the answer isn't worldly things. The answer is Jesus. And we have to be burdened, church, to live in our kingdom inheritance and our yes. Because the church has the answer. The church has the remedy. The remedy is Jesus. It's the yes. 
There's still people who are still trying to operate in law, thinking that they're going to receive the love and power of Jesus Christ. Am I not saying that suicide is a serious issue? Absolutely. But it's one of Satan's biggest tactics, and he's coming after identity of young men and women, and he's trying to tell them that they're worthless. And Jesus says, you are my son, you are my daughter, I'm well pleased with you, and man, you are my prized possession. I would do anything for you. And so if a student is facing self-doubt, self-worth, they're feeling worthless, we better believe that God can deliver them from that. If not, let's close our doors and stop doing what we're doing because I have a mission calling. As the worship team comes up, we're going to finish tonight, but I want to speak to some of these things that we've been holding on to. There's marriages in this place that still are struggling, and you're trying to do it by your law, your own efforts. And, and, and just as, as Paul said, how foolish can you be? Because it's not by your own efforts. It's by the love and power of Jesus Christ. And you need to surrender your marriage today and say yes to Jesus. And watch Jesus transform your heart to love your spouse like you've never had before. Same thing with addiction. There's somebody in here who, who's struggling with pornography and lust, and man, it's just rearing its ugly head every day, and you've said no to it a thousand times, and you are so tired of it, and you want it to go so bad, but it just keeps popping its head up. It's time you stop saying no, and it's time you start saying yes. Same thing goes with alcohol. The same thing goes with laziness. The same, man, guys, you know how many times I've operated in laziness, and I haven't been operating in my kingdom calling because I'm tired? And I'm going, God, I, I do want to do it, but I'm just tired. I'm just going to sit on my hands and let somebody else do the work. And he's going, man, you know better. Come say yes to me. Come live in my presence. Come love me like you, you, you first did. And let my love and my grace empower you. Let it say no to the worldly stuff and that thing's for you. To live upright and godly in today's age. Because people need... Jesus. Somebody in here today is a kingdom worker and a world changer, and God is just waiting for you to say yes. You're hating your job, and you still think it's about you. But it's about his glory. Finish with one story. We were at Bold Conference. My highlight for the whole week was this. We saw this young man, he's walking up to the front it's during worship, he's trying to find a place to sit. I could tell something was wrong, he was disabled in some way, he's dragging his foot, and part of him is paralyzed. He's really, he speaks really loud, I couldn't tell if he was deaf maybe, or partially deaf. He's talking to his dad, and so they're looking for a place to sit, and as they're coming back from the worship, I have our students, I said, hey guys, can you scoot over, let's make some room. So our these guys sit next to me, his dad and a young man. He's probably 22 years old. And uh, the, worst, or the message was just on point. And this young man's going, yes, yo, good, so good. And he's really it's just awesome, just passionate. And uh, we get done, and I turn around, I introduce myself, and he tells me his name's James. And I asked James where he's from, and he tells me he's from Overland Park area. And he said he just happened to get invited to this, so he thought he would come. And he said it was so good. And Anyway, all of a sudden, he just starts telling me his testimony. <laughs> and when I say I wasn't ready for it, I wasn't ready for it. I thought it was just going to be a regular conversation. Next thing you know, man, I'm just floored. And this man, James, this young man, says this. He goes, 
a couple years ago, I was in a football accident in a collision and I had a brain bleed. And that brain bleed completely um, it knocked me out. I, was, I wasn't expected to live. I had a 7% chance of, of living. I was in a coma for almost four weeks. And he said, well, I was in a coma. It was really short to me. And he said, what happened is I met Jesus. And he, when he tells me he met Jesus, he goes, I met Jesus. And he can't keep it in his joy. Just like, you can see him get giddy just saying it. And I'm going, holy cows, this man's been with Jesus. And he starts to tell me this testimony. He says, I went to speak to tell God I love you. And he said, in that moment, I realized that I was injured badly. I was injured so bad that I lost my voice and I lost, I, I forgot how to speak. And he said, I couldn't speak and so I did the only thing that I know is I signed, I love you. He said, I love you. And Jesus said, he said, Jesus looked back at him smiling and he said, man, I'm so proud of you and I love you. And then he goes, and then he said this, I'm sending you back because you're going to be glory for my name. And I'm just floored. This young man, and every single day he gets up and he says, I share my testimony because I'm made for the glory of God. I don't care about my circumstances. I've never been so happy in my life because I was made for the glory of God. And this young man saying yes to Jesus, and he's going around, and he said, he goes, one day I'll speak here. That's what he told me. One day I'll speak here. And I said, one day you'll speak at my church because I'm getting your number, buddy. Ah. <sighs> Church, this is who we were made for. We were made for the glory of God. And it's time that we stop getting the focus off ourselves and thinking that we can do it and let God do what only he can do is make us new, make us right, make us whole in Jesus' name. And so what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to open up this altar, and I'm asking you to just say yes. Some of you, I just said it, man, marriages and addictions and, and, and depression and oppression and all of these things that we've been trying to battle ourselves, God's ready just to let, let loose today. Let him re let you receive his grace, his love. And so we're going to open up this altar. Don't let pride get in the way. That stuff's nonsense. Keeps us from what God wants to do. We're going to sing one of my favorite hymns, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Let's just do that. Let's just pray. Father, I just thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you for your truth. God, I thank you that you're opening ears and opening hearts. God, I thank you that your truth is rooting inside of us. And that, Father, you are delivering. You're, God, you're conquering. You're, you're ready to move. And so, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would come and be our advocate. Just plead on our behalf. God, I'm praying that you would just deliver today. God, I'm praying that you would just make relationships new. But, God, first and foremost, that we would receive your love and your grace, and it would be enough for us that would flow over us, God, because we believe. We believe in everything you say you are because you are perfect, you're without fault, you do not lie, you are good, and you are faithful. So Lord, today we confess that we are yours and we say yes. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.